It is Monday, the 20th of January, 2020, and this is episode 367 of Digital Outbox. Welcome to a new year, a new episode, a new decade. Welcome along. I am Chris. Hello, Ian. Hi, new Chris. Hope you're well. It's a new. I, I, everything's feeling new and fresh, right? Except for today is Blue Monday. It's, it's stick your cycle babble up your ass. <laughs> I have never heard so much nonsense in my life. It's the most depressing day of the year. It's not. This is all about just selling you stuff. Well, just think, if you're not unhappy today, how happy are you going to be the rest of the year? It's just, I mean, I'm permanently unhappy. I don't, I don't need, I don't need like some... <laughs> I don't need a special day. I don't need some psychobabble advertising, you know, idiot telling me that I should need to be depressed. I will be depressed when I ever I goddamn like. <laughs> so, yeah. It is, it is junk. It's, it's up there with like your, your Black Friday, Cyber Monday and... Uh, how many nonsense. more stories like that live on the internet they're forever being generated all the time so yeah, yeah. uh ces has i mean hence the reason we're back ces has come and gone um and this year they have they seem to have a theme every year but this year it was 8k tvs and graphics cards uh, or <laughs> chips <laughs> but 8k tvs that everyone seems to be pushing for this 8k revolution that we haven't even got to the 4K one or have devices capable of running 4K satisfactorily. Uh, but yeah, they're ready now to give us 8K. So I'd say all the major TV people were kind of going towards that direction. But obviously the LGs and the Samsungs of this world were showing uh, sort of operating examples. Um, for, and for a technology, which I, I, I don't know if you're the same, but I just see as completely pointless. Uh, yep. I, um, I mean, I, I get I got HD when it came out because it was like, here's HD... And you know, BBC were showing content, Sky started showing content, and you saw the difference. And I get it with 4K because you can, you know, buy your 4K Blu-rays, you can play your 4K games, and you can, you know, watch some, you know, certainly streaming services you can watch in 4K. You've got your Sky, you know, Q in 4K. There's nothing in 8K. There's, there's, there's nothing. Zero. There's no content in 8K. Um, and and arguably, because because the form. I mean, what 8K could allow is a bigger form factor, right? Without losing the resolution that we've kind of come used to now. Um, but really, there's no growth in form factor. So it's more, it's a bit like the kind of retina type idea on, a, you know, on the old phones, which on a phone and where you've got small text and small items that you're up close to and needing to read, I can kind of see that there's a, more of an argument for it than on a TV, which is sat, you know, six foot away if not more depending on the size and you know layout of your lounge it's i just you're not going to notice the difference and no. especially because there's no source content to even take advantage of it no and um you know so i i know somebody recently it's moved their 4k tv into the main room family were watching it and saying this looks worse because mm. a lot of their content was still in either SD or it was poor bitrate. So the, because the, the more you scale, yeah, the, yeah, it's hard to upscale properly. Yeah. So that so it, uh, as, as you say, it's this is just the next. What what can we get? You know, what can we get people buying? And I guess there's a bit of unless there's the TVs there, the producers and the the, you know, yes. the content won't do it. So there's a bit of chicken and egg things here. Of but 
but, but we're not but we're not past the 4k resolu- revolution no. and even for the gaming console i know that playstation 5 is harking to the saying it will support 8k resolution I just but it Xbox. won't be able to push it, but it won't be able to push it no you know? it's absolute bollocks give us 4k and like you know you know 60 frames per second without the dips yeah, right, it's, right it's, now it's going for a headline isn't it rather yeah. than the actual content so, so right now we've got some xbox games that are hitting 4k and you don't notice frame drops and then you get the checker box and mostly on the ps4 and you get it in some xbox as well um, and but there's lots of frame dropping going on and there's lots of variation in there and it just give me an, and the uh, environments aren't as rich as pc equivalents yeah, and all those so, kind of things yeah. so so give, give us like you know 4k rich environment 60 frames per second silky smooth and then once that you've nailed that and we'll get lots of content for it, you can start talking about 8K. Until then, do one. It, it yeah, just like I say, it's going, it's, they feel like they've got to do it for the headline. Yeah. Because if PlayStation says they're going to do 8K, then obviously you know, everyone's going to go, oh, well, it can do it. Why can't Xbox? You know, so it's, and, and vice versa. So, so, and, yeah. you, and you saw that with the thing. It wasn't enough to say ray tracing in 63 per second because it needs something for the more mass market people to yeah. go, ooh. But just a bigger number, isn't it? It must be better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also um, sort of hark back to so chips. There's a bit more of a sort of chip race going on. So um, of the yeah silicon variety, <laughs> there were just people racing chips. Um, <laughs> Intel has come up with some more chips, and AMD um, have kind of come up with an amazing mobile chip that looks like on figures alone is is going to stomp stomp Intel's sort of ass with their latest offerings. Yeah, so, so Intel had like their AI chips, and I guess there's lots of people at NVIDIA chasing AI chips and in-car chips and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but I mean, they also, you know, there was a 10th, 10th gen, you know, series chips and new processors, new i7s, and it goes above this amount of gigahertz, but they've really struggled from a production, you know, line perspective to, to miniaturize and, and get you know, keep up with Moore's Law and, mm. and keep up with competitors. And AMD, you know, the next day we're just like, hold on, here's something that, that will process as much as Intel and we're going to do it at half the price. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly for, you know, gaming market, you know, custom PCs and PCs in general, it's like AMD are back at it again. You know, uh, they And they, it does t- tend to come in waves. We had a whole series of, well, they had a period of time I'd probably give it about 10 years ago now where AMD was the absolute processor of choice uh, for if you wanted that top end because it was top end, it was faster and it was cheaper and it you know didn't seem to have any downsides to it. Um, but interestingly, Intel have come out and said they're, they're dipping their toe into the gra- uh, graphics card market, which they haven't traditionally been in at all. Um, so obviously that's going to, it's a bit tit for tat there, you know, this move, fast moving AMD and um, NVIDIA in the, the graphics, they've had it all to themselves really. Uh, and now Intel are going to come and start mixing it up there. Um, so that was, that was an interesting angle from the, the show as well. Especially as this year, we're going to see, you know, as you said, new PS5, new Xbox, both of the AMD chipsets, mm. you know, so, we, cust- yeah, so yeah, custom, puts on. but, yeah. but, but. It does. It does kind of say we're, that's money we're leaving at the table. And we're not leaving anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then we had some interesting um, sort of side bits. Uh, one part of the show, which I guess a lot of commentators have have been pretty surprised by, and said it was actually one of the best things that they saw was Nreal's mixed reality glasses. So these are glasses which ha- basically allow computer graphics to be put over the top. You know, mixed reality, uh, and that. They said, although it was a bit clunky as in implementation, actually, it was a lot better than they were expecting. Uh, yeah, and um, 
Um, so this had to be tethered to an Android device, and um, but but people were saying that it was, you know, probably by far the best demo they've seen yet of mixed reality. And the glasses, I don't know if you, I've not seen the pictures of them yet. <sighs> you know, you know how like um, Hololens is like a big, mm. you know, it's like a visor, I would call it. And then you had Magic Leap, which was kind of Google's one, which was like space agey type, you know, yeah. big goggly type things. Yeah. These I would say are closer to like swimming goggle size, you know, or, or oh, okay. very thick glasses size. So safety spe- over spectacles, so things like you might wear in a lab. Well, they were more, <laughs> they, they were more, you know, not designer, but they were more. They weren't safety specs. I, I have to wear mm-hmm. safety specs over my glasses. They were not <laughs> safety specs, and. Um, but but they were they felt more realistic and and so some people have dinged it saying you know well having to tether it to a, an Android device that's not really where we should be but I think that everybody's everybody's dealing with where technology is now you know and yep. people you know if you think back to you know vibes and and risks when they came out yes everybody wants it to be mobile and not not tied but it it wasn't there you know you couldn't get it working. You know, and we are seeing like, you know, Oculus Quest and others that have now got that nailed, but it's taken, what, four years, five years to evolve to that. Um, lots of rumours that Apple are coming in with their device and some were expecting it maybe as a surprise last year. And then lots of people were like, come on, the technology's not there. It's, it's, yeah, and I don't think Apple can. Apple often follow on, you know, they nail a bit of technology that has matured and, and this really hasn't matured anywhere near no. enough at the moment. Uh, and and it shows that even this, you know, peop, it's still quite a restricted um, field of view going on, you know, so it, I'm sure that still grates a little bit in these devices given, you know, but it's, it has got eye tracking, which helps and, and various other sort of technologies, which mean that it can, you know, say everyone came out saying, I thought it was going to be terrible and it actually wasn't. And, and the two interesting things for me, so it really kind of, it, it gave you far better quality and, and field of view than the HoloLens in a mm. much smaller package. Um, I think another telling thing was that Google's Magic Leap are suing them. Um, mm. So so they believe that they've, they've invalidated or got some proprietary stuff that these glasses are also using and hence are suing. Um, and this is a Chinese firm and that's not unheard of. That's me slandering and but <laughs> I'm sure. But nevertheless, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that ended up being some sort of story at some point. Uh, yeah. yeah, but but there's something and, I, and I, saw, I saw some articles tonight talking about, you know, mixed reality contact lenses that are now getting demoed. So you pop the contact lens in, and it is wow. popping some nice bits of text over there, you know, like text message or something, and you know, it's getting getting close to that. Still just Terminator feel, readout. Yeah, kill. <laughs> well, it's just it's just, and I guess the scary thing, not scary, but the difference about that is, it's like if I'm if I, if you're interviewing me, mm. and and you know I've got you know I've turned my phone on, so you're listening to it. I could be getting fed every answer, and you wouldn't. Yep. You wouldn't. And what about in like exams and how do you, yeah. you know, monitor all those kind of things? Yeah, it's getting harder. Really, and it's that kind of. I'm not saying it's predicted future, but it's like in a future where right now these things are visible. I, you know I'm on a phone. You know I'm distracted. You, you yep. can tell I am. That's you know. We've talked before about biohacking and how that is going to become a thing and people are already doing it at basic levels. And yeah. as soon as this technology is miniaturized, you know, you know people are going to hack. And this feels like, a, this still feels like glimpses of future to me. It's not mm, something yes. that me and you are going to buy right now in no. the mixed reality solution. I'm not going to walk around with these glasses plugged in wired an android device and you know before. but there is a general you know there is a direction to it it's kind of thing yes. that tomorrow's world on our tv when we were kids used to <laughs> yeah. point to and actually 
often nailed it because you know it's a clear direction that it's heading i don't know if you saw no, i'm way off a tangent but that usually happens when when our first mm-hmm. year type shows did you see there was there was a thing doing around i think it's just before christmas and it was tomorrow's world from 30 years ago yeah, and what was going to be in the 2020s, yeah. Properly nailed. Some things were absolutely amazing, yeah. You know, they talked about voice assistants, they talked mm. about smart homes, they talked about yeah. the TV screen, and I was like... Yeah. Well, yeah, well, the lights coming on when you walked yeah. in and all those kind of things, things Pro- that we do now have. Properly nailed, yeah. you know, some aspects of what we've got now. There's always going to be a miss, but that was, that was a pretty good stab. And then I saw, it, as that was doing around, there was a futurist that was on like BBC Breakfast one morning, and he, it's one of those, I'm sitting there going, you're taking this too far, because it was all like, you know, you know, you know, you'll have like your pop-up pill and it will self-diagnose what your issues with you and it will start to fix what's wrong with you. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not buying that, because that just feels such a leap. I mean, that does feel like the kind of Star Trek type, you know. feels it now, but often these people do base it on existing, you know, and, um, it, you know and directions of yeah. travel, you know. So, yeah. I mean, we, we, no, nobody saw an iPhone. You know, so if you think about what these futurists are trying to, you know, nail, you know, 30 years will be in 2050. You know, it feels such a, you know, I'll be, I'll be nearly 80. Jesus. Yeah, yeah things change and things change quick, you know, and they're getting quicker. That's if, that's if the human race still exists. Anyway, Quibi was another thing that came out of CES. <laughs> came out of CES and I think that's how you see, is it Quibi? And basically, it's a mobile phone-based show, like sorry, a sort of subscription service to watch shows, but they're pint-sized shows. Is it five minutes-ish, something like yeah, that? Yeah, like five to ten minutes, and they're, they're talking about also whether you hold it up or you know vertically or horizontal, you've got to be full frame. Um, but they've got like Steve Spielberg, Bill Murray, Reese Witherspoon, and a, a number of others, including like there's going to talk about news. So there's, they've already said BBC, NBC, Telemundo are all supporting news services, and it felt a bit strange, more so because they're saying it's four ninety nine a month with advert. That's dollars, so it's about three eighty pounds. Yeah, yeah, or eight to go ad free. Um, so and content is going to be a big. It's got some big players. So you know, the, is it Meg? What's her name? Just to run, just to run. Was it Sun or Oracle? Meg. I should know this crap. Um, <laughs> Meg Whitman. Um, you know, so some big tech executives. So you know, real. You know, there's. <sighs> And I, the thing is, I mean, I guess a lot of content is consumed in that way now. People just log on to, say, YouTube and just go and consume that. But it makes me wonder why, I guess, YouTube just doesn't bring enough um, revenue in for it to make it worthwhile. Maybe that's their thought. And this subscription type service maybe will add that. But, you know, to pay and still then have adverts, it still feels like a, that's pretty heavy. Uh, yeah. So she so was CEO of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Um, she sits in the board of Procter and Gamble and Dropbox, you know, and and it's got lots of talent attached. And as as I said, see, see when you look at the people committing to content, it's it's pretty big. It just well, they've seen a direction of that as well, haven't they? they you know, the yeah. big form is disappearing. People are watching. Kids are mostly watching content on their phones, and I guess that's where they lead now. Tomorrow's adults will follow, kind of thing. Yeah, and and we've seen that with YouTube. You know, YouTube's replaced conventional telly for lots of people. Yeah, or, or yeah. streaming services have replaced it, um, and, and I guess you know TikTok has taken over real. Because I'm seeing tic, more and more TikToks getting shared on Twitter. It's got become it is Vine, um, yeah, and it's just Vine, yeah. it's it's just huge, uh, and it's all you know, 
you know, five seconds to fifty second type content that is about, about millions of it, loads of it. And it's yeah, easy to create. There's a load of dross out there, but you do get the occasional bit like Vine, I guess we just got the it gems. Was, some of some of Vine, so everybody holds up Vine. Some of Vine was absolutely amazingly good and funny, but lots, still still brilliant to go back to some of those now, you know. Lots of it was absolute cat. Yep, yep. But the internet's of you know, the internet of people is very good at filtering out all the rubbish and bringing you the good stuff. Don't we know when we're looking at our viewing figures? <laughs> Travel X. Uh, oh, sorry, that was CES, by the way. That's 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 all we've yeah, got from CES. I, but there's loads of other releases and around all the technology streams you can go and dig out through all the, your main technical reading places. That's very, yeah, good. Yeah, language. but it's like, like Sony turned up an electric car. And it's like, oh, wow, Sony going to make an electric car. And it's like, no, we've just made a prototype one to show you what we could do. Mm. And it's like, well... What's, what's the point? And and so much of CES to me is like that. It's like here's a, you know, here's you know, it was like TVs that you could, you know, fold, you know, not fold up but roll up. And it's like, I don't mm. care. It's a bit it. like, um, you know, it's a bit like the old game shows used to get to where people just felt they needed to bring a demo to it, so they did, yeah. even though it was not for the next ten years. And just... to be honest, it's like Google I/O. Here's a whole other products we're not going to release. <laughs> Anyway, TravelX, they are having a bad time of it at the moment. They have been hijacked by hackers who have um, put sh- uh, ransomware inside of their systems and, and they just can't, apparently, even though they've brought in sort of experts and whatnot, they can't get their control back. They're being, you know, the ransom is 2.3 million um, to unlock all their systems again. And, and as we've seen in the past, even if you do pay and they do get unlocked, um it's it quite often has corrupted data and stuff like that. So there's all sorts of systems there that are they're in problem. You can still go and get money in shops, but you can't do it online. And obviously, and well, not obviously, but there are a lot of other banks that rely on the services by TravelX. So, uh, for example, Sainsbury's Bank, um, Tesco Bank, they they're all affected by these service outages. Uh, and it's been going on since uh, it was a New Year's Eve attack. Um, and according to <laughs> The TravelX web says like it's a planned maintenance win that they're in at the moment, which is quite funny. However, they're they're also the 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 hijackers are threatening to release five gig of users' data, including you know vital payment data and all sort of personal stuff. So they're they're pretty ugly, um, pretty ugly attack uh, things. There's obviously a police investigation. TravelX are are they UK based or do they just have a presence in the UK? I can't remember the exact details, but certainly the Metropolitan Police are involved in the investigation. Um, they're involved because it affects Virgin Money, Tesco, and Tesco Bank was impacted. Lots of people are impacted, and even their services that are back up now are all manual. So you're having yep. to go to physically, you know, visit branches, and it is manually written down what's going on, and manually, you know, people taking notes of things. Which is why I think the example I, I read last week was that on average, it's taking 15 minutes to deal with each customer that turns up mm-hmm. looking for. You know, to, to you know, set up accounts or put money on or take money out or whatever. Now, you you know, there's obviously, you know, feel sorry for TravelX, but they have been criticised recently for some of their security practices um, uh, and they had weaknesses around their VPN technologies that were in use. So the story's not out fully yet. Uh, uh, while it's an ongoing investigation and all that, we won't get full details, um, but certainly... Uh, there's some questions to be answered there uh, once they get out the other end. If if they do for, for like these, you know, ransom, if it really has corrupted or has encoded all their systems, they're in they're in some big doo doo. And they've taken a very different approach. So 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 Norsk get hit last year, and they took a real kind of novel approach, which was 
yes, we've been hit hard. You know, it was ransomware throughout the whole company, the whole system took them all down. But they went public and they gave weekly updates on how they were dealing with it, what what you know other companies can learn from it, how they were getting back online. Mm. Um and and really refreshing, you know, it's I mean it, it took a massive hit. Whereas and and there might be good reasons. Maybe they were advised to do it, but TravelX from day one have lied about what happened. You know, mm. you, you said it earlier. You know, systems down for maintenance. No, it's not. It, and it was already known. It was all over Twitter that they were they were you know they'd been held to ransom. It was known, and they were lying. But like you know, as as you said, we don't know what they've been advised in this case. It's, exactly. You know, it's a, this is that's quite big criminal activity, um, and I'm sure there's doing the equivalent of those hollywood movies trying to trace and track and all those kind of things i, I think that, that one of the things that will come out over time you know the, the, it looks like they've definitely not followed the gdpr rules around disclosing because they are supposed to disclose and they did not um mm. and maybe in the background they'll claim that they have and they're advised not to do this but that's not what the gdpr rules cover you for um and even even just now i mean we're three weeks on they're not back up and running no, I mean, you think it. about I think about the transactions there going from being able to transact hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of transactions every second, if not thousands, down to one customer every fifteen minutes in in their only physical locations. It's, and then all the time it takes to put those manual transactions, you know, somewhere, you know, yeah. store them in a filing cabinet. It's you know? a, a horrendous situation, you know. As I said, I, I dug into a bit around Norsk, and when you realise what they're to deal with, mm. it is it is tough. You know, yeah, and it just shows, and I guess it's the opportunity cost that most companies are now used to be that people played a bit fast and loose with their data and their security. Uh, people, even relatively small companies are now having to really think hard about it. But it also shows that it's an it's a no win situation. There's always going to be a weak chink in your armor. You, you know, when we've seen big companies who is their only job is to remain secure, they still they still suffer. Uh, they, you know, they they fall to these you know attacks because there's humans involved in the chain of you know access and yep. it only takes one laptop and a very clever bit of virus software to 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 cause a lot of damage yeah. and the complexities of software now and the vulnerabilities and you only need to do is look at patch patch tuesday every month it's horrendous mm. when you start to look at what's you know what the vulnerabilities are i mean and i mean citrix citrix last week had an absolute shocker of a vulnerability and mm. because citrix is at the heart of many people's vpn systems it's you know a vulnerability in that layer is just very catastrophic sonus has fallen out with google over patent <laughs> infringement so this is all around the smart speaker and patents it says that it has around the syncing of phones around a wireless network syncing of phone syncing of speakers around a wireless network anyway um they've been in discussions between the two parties for a while a bit of media mediation going on but Sonos have now pulled out of that and have decided to litigate. Uh, Google aren't very happy about that, um, saying they were entered into the conversations in good faith and also highlighted that Sonos use, um, you know, Google painted technologies as well. So they're going to now go to court and have all the disputes come out in public. Um, Yeah, it reminds me of the the kind of Apple, Samsung, Android arguments round round patents and then 
what was it between was it was it was it Motorola and Apple was it Nokia and Apple which they had it always Apple seems had to, to be this, it's almost the dying shout of a company often yes. the claiming patents and wanting licensing fees with everyone else yep. and that's kind of what it feels like here as well yeah sales are dropping what have we got well we can go back to patents yeah so they're trying yeah. to fall back on them right you know and it's <clears throat> so that's that's what it felt like i mean every time we see it, it's like it is the small going out of business mobile phone company that then goes and tries to get these and, things uh, so yeah and i think it's yep. yeah and google and amazon have certainly eaten sonos's lunch uh, but then again if they are breaking patents then maybe there is something to be answered and i wouldn't be surprised if they had it it does seem like to win these wars you've got to be prepared to break the rules uh, and then just sit out the consequences and see what happens one court case i mean that sonos has said that um, amazon are breaking the the same patents but they can only afford to <laughs> sue one person at a time um which... and also there's, there's a whole shop front thing there that that Amazon causes so much sales that do you risk? You know, and, that, and that's the whole thing. How much of this is just protectionary? You know, I've got a set of patents so that if somebody comes along, we can horse trade. Yeah, I mean, and, and that that has recently been the way it's all been worked out. But yeah, you're right. The the Amazon being able to kill off sales is a massive disincentive from suing, and maybe someone should think about. I, I'm you know, assuming that that's that must be a power uh, imbalance that it shouldn't be right. Yeah. Yeah, you can. I was just, I was making the assumption you can buy Sonos because you, you just assume Amazon stocks yeah. at all, but then you hear every sort of, it's like, I don't think you can buy any, can you Can you buy Google Home on it? Uh, they, I think they reversed away from a decision not to, but or they reversed some of the products. Maybe the Home is still not the one that they do. But, wow, yeah. look at that. So I've searched for Google Home and it was Echo Show 5, Echo Dot, <laughs> Echo Show 5, Echo Dot, Echo Dot, Echo Dot, only yes. Amazon Echo. And there's That's a, not them. There's a Kindle Google Home book. <laughs> I think else. it was to get back on to get YouTube back on their Amazon show. I think they had to put all the other products on, but I don't think Home was included in that. Mm. So Twitter has coming up with a new set of rules around allowing you to spark up different conversation types. Um, so they're allowing people to set at the time that they send send out a tweet who can reply to that tweet so it's either no one can only people following me can um or everyone can kind of thing so they're trying to layer in some more control over the conversation that happens after you tweet um to try and get rid of some of the kind of toxicity around um, their platform uh, i don't think it's going to solve that I, I think most of the toxicity comes from people wanting to make public statements and then other people feeling they need to um make replies so I'm not sure it'll solve it, but it is interesting that they say, you know, there's loads of different types of conversation. Twitter's all currently about just making public statements. Um, but actually, uh, there's, you know, conversation is nuanced and that's, you know, sometimes you make statements just that you want your friends to talk about. Uh, yes. I, 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 at first I was like, ooh, that really is going to change how Twitter works and feels. But a bit of reflection, I think it's a sensible you know, it's a sensible step to at least try because right now, as you say, it's, you know, the danger is if you say something and I guess it gets picked up by the right slash wrong people and goes a bit viral, it can just go way out of control and you're like, it's not, you know, I was, I was venting to you, you know, I could have I could yeah. a, a trivial statement to you in a reply and somebody be like, that's a racist comment. And even though I didn't mean it or, you know, whatever, it, whatever connotation it was, you'd lose all context. It's only a small number yep. of characters um equally 
we've seen some of the kind of toxic things that happen, you know, anything around, you know, Paddy and Megan right now just gets piled on by, yeah. you know, camps of people. Um, so it'll be interesting to, and and it has been generally acknowledged that Twitter has went toxic compared to what it was five, six years ago. It's a people real are toxic less, environment. People are less worried about just um, touting extreme views or even just, mm. you know, the, a little bit less, I mean, we'll call it political correctness but generally it's reasonableness people are happy not to be reasonable in their in their statements and um and and balanced they are quite happy to to be unbalanced in their statements we've come a long way from um the robin hood airport kind of guy Mm. and and yeah you know that was a big thing and it feels like you you can say things now with not without i'm not saying with with no consequence because i still see and this is a kind of Glasgow thing. I still see that people are losing their jobs because of they've said um, either either anti-Protestant or anti-Catholic tweets, mm. and they get reported to the workplace. Like you know, a teacher was was let go recently, and there was a nursery school you know assistant was let go, a nurse was let go because because they've said some things, and people have went, I object to that, and I shouldn't be. And part of me is like, hmm. You know, is it is it really impairing the job? You know, because mm. seeing it on Twitter and seeing it in a pub or seeing it to you and me personally, it's not changing that person's views. So it's 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 a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I'd, well, it clearly doesn't uh, change people's views. It just suppresses them up until the point they get to a boiling point and they uh, all pop out again. And I, and I think that's part of. I mean, I mean, you you said it earlier, but you know, people are, you know, they're more open now. They're more emboldened, I think, by mm-hmm. by the kind of society we're in right now, and. I think Twitter does have to do something. It is, as I said, it's a bit of a cesspit. And even the fact that they call themselves like We Are The News, I mean, a recent redesign in iPad of their official app forces the forces the um, the trending topics. And mm. most of the time, trending topics aren't news. You know, they are no. news when a big thing happens, like, you know, the Iran-USA thing recently, or you could argue the Harry Meghan thing, big news. But a lot of the time, it's... It's whatever Saturday night show's on or Doctor Who's on or yeah. you know, a celebs done so that's not news to me. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. I don't want to or it's some you know, most of the time either far right or far left, somebody's trending or done something and everybody's piled on and made it news. It's not news. It's yeah, it's just attracting attention, that's all at the moment. Yeah. Like, like Get it and away. that's that's kind of one of the, you know, popular popular and populist opinion is not necessarily the right he it's not news or news to yeah, yeah it's just yeah. you know so just as you say it's just because popular doesn't make it news that is newsworthy it's yeah. just noise a lot of the time facebook has redoubled down and said it will not stop supporting very focused uh, p- uh political adverts on its platform um so it has come out and yeah said we are, you know, we know that there's obviously an election coming up in the US, but we're not going to stop taking it. And, and effectively, we're not going to stop taking the dollar. And we will still allow political parties to promote to individuals or that, that very fine grain control. And there will be no checks on what is said uh, and the validity of it. Um, and this is now living in a world where we used to think that you know you didn't need these controls because political parties wouldn't be so brazen as to just lay it downright lie uh, but now they've been proved they've proved to themselves over the last i would say two years three years maybe even four i was gonna say four or five years because so four or five yeah okay well that, that it, really they can get away with it they've just they kind of learned 
that they could get away with it. And over this four or five years, it's just got worse. It's just become the norm now rather than the, the, you know, the exception. Yep. The fidelity of information they can get out of something like Facebook and know they're targeting people and can, can see almost what they like without any consequence. Because, I mean, there was a whole... I mean, whether Facebook do it or not, but even in the UK, you know, you've got all your likes of commission and, you know, you're supposed to own a bit, but it just seems to be, you can see what well, they like. Well, that's the thing. They have no visibility or control no. over this side of things. Uh, and Facebook as a platform, not, you know, it's it's rolling out various features, um, but, but, you know, to try and help transparency. But a lot of people point out that they're just, they're tickling around the edge uh, more than anything. Um, but yeah, I think... It's going to be a problem and it is going to become more so for them rather than burying their head. They should be at least seen to be doing something. But I imagine, you know, they they, they spout free speech as the as the reason for them being able to do this. Um, but I don't think they can hold on to that forever when there's no visibility of what's being. It's a bit, you know, it's a, it's a bit like a, an extremist being, um, you know, talked to by local religious leaders that you just have no visibility of so you imagine the worst but obviously facebook if if political parties can just downright lie about their opposition um spouting you know stories that are provably untrue and there's no control over that then it you know where do we go where what where are we headed and that's assuming it's the you know you can make the link back to parties. A lot of this is like you know un- the unaffiliated, the momentum, the, yeah. the bots, the unaffiliated yeah. groups can't prove the link, can't do X Y Z. And I mean, it's in it's in the show notes. So so Sasha Baron Baron Cohen last year absolutely ripped Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg in particular. You know, there's a kind of ten fifty minute kind of speech that he did or talk that he did. And it's like, you know, you just you just linked it back to, you know, Facebook right now, if it was in the 30s, would allow Hitler to post 30 second ads of the solution to the Jews problem. That's mm. that's where we are. You're allowed to post these things. Um, I, I just think it's such a misstep, you know, from Facebook. It just feels like they're taking the dollar. Um, it just... Maybe uh, they see the end is nigh for their whole thing. <laughs> they think they'll get, they'll get it while we can. Yep. But then again, when it's shareholders and the shareholders are uh, an air... Yep. they're just a, a glob of people who don't really have a moral direction they're just looking for profit you yep. know it's yeah and that, that's always a risk with this when you want to become the social network and the you know the, the platform that glues everybody together but they're saying we're a company and we don't need to have these responsibilities it's like well you do uh uk are still making their mind up about whether they're going to include <laughs> huawei uh hardware in their new 5g networks and the US, I mean, we basically earlier this week, uh, we were very much going to go our own way and we were going to use it in non-critical parts of the 5G network as they as they describe it. Um, but the US has is increasing its lobbying An unknown or the content of which is unknown dossier was delivered to ministers in the UK from the US uh, telling them why uh, they shouldn't use Huawei. Um it could have told them about security risks or it could have just said uh, trade agreement question mark after it. <laughs> uh, we don't know. The content hasn't been released. Um, but yes, the America would very much like us not to use Huawei in our 5G networks. They consider that it might be enough to make them reconsider their, their intelligence sharing with us. It's, a, it's interesting just watching in, in our, you know, we don't have all the information that these guys are sharing and what the fears are and, well, we know what the fears is, but, but you know, US reckon they've got evidence 
Britain reckons it's not. Other countries reckon it's not. Mm. So, um, and you've got a big ego in charge of the one person who wants to see Huawei get chucked. Uh, absolutely. Um, but, but that's not to say he's not right. No, and that's the thing. So we, we're not seeing the evidence in all this. It's a bit like the Harry and Meghan thing. I saw a great... <laughs> somebody shared a poll in Daily Mail. It was who's to blame. It was either Harry, Meghan, the Queen, I don't know. And, and and don't know was the lowest at ninety percent. And somebody pointed out it's the only answer, it's the only right answer out of that list because nobody knows any of this. Yeah. And it feels a bit like this way. While we were, were you're not getting presented information. It's hard to make a judgment. You're relying that you're getting told the truth by you know your governments, but there's clearly different levels of concern. And we, and- I mean, we, we, you're always taught, you know, the Chinese are the big bad Apple or whatever. But we've always taught that it's either Russia or China or it's always someone else who's the big bad Apple. But then you look at our own practices. You look at the fact that all our governments lie to us to win elections. All our governments tell us thing one thing and then do completely other things. We we have bad practices as far as human rights ourselves. We sometimes farm them off to other countries so that it doesn't come back and looks, you know, they can get away and get round laws that which are designed to protect all these things. So you just look from left to right, and you, there's no there's no massive difference. I, I, I'm I'm I know that they're they you know, I could easily be shot down on that. In that that's a very ignorant statement i'm sure in many aspects of what these other countries do get up to as far as human rights abuses go but nevertheless i still you know your my own house isn't in order kind of thing before i'm going to go and massively criticize other houses blue monday ladies and gentlemen blue monday i thank you <laughs> but you're right <laughs> it's, it's, it's back to we, we are by far from squeaky clean yeah, a long, long way from it. And if you believe we are squeaky clean, then you're, yeah, you're, you're not living the real world. Apple is not, well, it's been said that it's trying to help out in the um, Pensacola shooting. So this uh, was two gunmen um, and they want to, the FBI wanted to get the data that was on the phones that they got at the shooting. Um, but Apple, although they're trying to help, they're not willing to roll out an update to phones systems effectively, which adds a backdoor and allows the FBI to break into them. Their point being, as soon as we roll out an update to a phone that allows you to get in the back door, it's not just you who can get in, it's anyone else. Um, so they're still not willing to release it. And they're still coming to a head, basically, because this a lawyer or a, sorry, a judge has issued a warrant to get the data off the phone. But Apple is still not willing to it said it can help in that process but what it can't do is weaken the entire process by adding a back door um you know and and that's kind of their position and they're they're holding to it uh, yeah and um and i think you know fair play of being consistent apple have been a little bit weak recently um i did see, i did see a, a comic that says um get, get china to ask for it and they'll bend over backwards um because they've been a bit weak when it comes to both China and Russia and just some of the mm. some of the things that they've done recently, but they are sticking to their guns. Um, this is all about backdoor into you know an encrypted data set. Um, it does give some tough questions depending on what the crime is and and you know. Yeah, of course. I, I guess. Oh, about, that, that, these you know, things aren't these aren't easy questions. No, um, no. But but ultimately, they're taking the view that we'd rather encrypt and protect the vast majority then put at risk everybody for the sake of the minority surely only you know if they want to sell and operate in other countries you know where where there are question marks over you know data protection and stuff like that then the only way you can do it is by having a hundred percent policy on it 
Um, I, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, what I don't understand is how rolling out a, an update to a phone can help with a phone that's already locked and you it, can't update. I don't understand all those sort of things. It, it so. can't. And, and there's also, I mean, there was, a, there was some news over the weekend that seemingly FBI have, on their latest iPhones, been able to break... You know, the past There's, locks on it, there are tools there that they've used. An Israel is, company apparently is advertising yes. iPhone 5 right up to iPhone 10. Oh, it's 11 minutes, well. To get past. Yeah. So actually, a lot of the things, things theoretically aren't required anyway because there are already hacks. Although I'm sure Apple are looking into that and figuring out how do we stop them. Uh, yeah, but, but it is back to the, you know, um, Trump bar or looking to, you know, you know, get these back doors in place, you know, get the legislation passed. Um, but it's, it's just a fundamental, to me, it's a fundamental breach of where we are as a you know, a society right now. I should be able to send a message without, you know, everybody watching what I'm doing and knowing what I'm doing and building up a, a dossier on me, whether they are or not. Um, they, so they are. We'll, we'll, they are. we'll see where this one goes. They're sticking to the guns. Um, and I think that the challenge would be if they did try and put something like that in law is how... Just how you enforce it and police it. It's just impossible. Yeah. Mozilla has had to lay off. So, so just um, on this, this is a ooh. browser section now. There's a whole lot of browser yeah. news. For yeah, whatever but... reason, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like the late 90s again and browsers are a thing. <laughs> Mozilla's laid off 70 staff, which is not happy. Apparently that might not be the end of it as well. There's more. Um, it's taken them longer to get monetized services in place than they anticipated. So they were hoping that 2019 and 20 would be uh, a new stream of revenue coming through from subscription-based services but that hasn't happened they underestimate the process they uh obviously still putting money into their browser so they are having to lay staff off to balance the books um which is a it's obviously a bad state of affairs to be in um and there's no real sign that even this year they're going to get everything sorted so they seem like they're in for a rocky road at the moment yeah I mean, they've got a thousand employees worldwide, so you know, almost ten percent. And and in Firefox, I mean, the updates over the last year have been fantastic. Really, really good browser. Mm-hmm. And they got some really nice services that are going to be added on top of it. Uh, and they're also big in the sort of the privacy and security. I know that that sort of the Tor browser and all those kind of things that that you know are used for in in countries where you can't get free access to the internet. That that was all based around Firefox, um, for example. Yeah. So there, but I'm, I'm just I'm just having a look at the the browser stats, and and right now they're down at under five percent. Mm. You know, so Chrome Chrome um, is just massively ahead. Um, Another browser which you can tell us how how much browser percentage does Opera have? Two point two eight percent. Which is still quite a bit higher than I thought it was going to be, actually. So Opera is another browser who have uh, run a real niche market. They certainly seem to... They, they were based around accessibility. They were certainly, uh, you know, really going for web standards and accessible standards. So you could adjust and amend your browsing interface based on your own personal needs. Uh, and they were a real sort of evangelists on that. And they, they really did play that card. And they're kind of coming under a bit of pressure at the moment because some of the side streams of that they are now gaining income streams from is lending into uh, developing countries and it, it there's there are now accusations and we'll call them that for now uh, and accusations and allegations that they are not running with a good set of <laughs> 
rules as far as APR and penalties and fines and 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 also practices, for example, um, scraping phone records if uh, payments aren't made. So there's say so there's lots of these are allegations at this point. Uh, there are other people who've looked into those allegations who say there may be things that do need to be answered here, especially around APR uh, and the levels of APR that they're charging to these uh, users who who have a simple entry into getting loans and stuff but maybe not a simple way of paying off yep hindenburg research is a, is a company that's done this research and they're saying there's four apps that, 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 are, that are doing this and um, opera have turned around and said um there are numerous errors unsubstantiated statements and misleading conclusions so they're not actually yeah. saying no they just said there's some there's some issues here um and they believed that they were trying to short Opera shares. It was nothing to do with a concern about how Opera itself is making money. Um, and equally, that is perfectly reasonable uh, yep. accusation to make back. Yeah. Yep. And Gadget, this is the article that I certainly read today, plus others. And Gadget actually then said, well, can you be more specific? Because the documentation that they've got from their research is pretty, you know, it's, I don't want to say slam dunk, it's allegation, but it, look, it looks like. And know, so, yeah. So, so. And yeah, they, yeah, they're saying there's definitely something here. Even if not, if even if all of the allegations are not substantiated, there definitely seems to be something in here. And I guess this is the same problem Opera has that Firefox has, which is you know, giving a free browser away is no way of earning a revenue stream to continue to make that service. And and finances, especially finances into developing countries, is a very traditional and very long-standing way of getting revenue streams in. Especially, where the, you know, where the regulations are lower. Yep, especially where Chrome just sucked, you know, like, you know, you know, Internet Explorer as the default browser, and so much is based on Chromium. If they can, if if they do have a, you know, questions to answer, then they could be in serious trouble if Google do remove not only those four ad apps from the Play Store, um, which is obviously going to be a quite a big revenue stream for them. Um, uh, how do you deliver that loan service once those apps are gone? And equally, if that stretches out to other apps they own like their opera browser then, then it may really be the nail in the coffin if these are substantiated um talking of the chromium ever increasing sphere microsoft has now released its edge browser uh, which has removed its own um engine from in the middle and chromium now underlies the edge browser so that is now available for you to get your update if you so wish um I don't know if you've tried it. It is, Not yet. It is, it is lightning fast. Mm-hmm. Um, works great on Mac and also on P. So I think the, the big thing for me is going to be a lot of enterprises are still running Internet Explorer as a default. Edge wasn't compatible enough, did some quirks. Um, and those these old legacy, and when I say legacy, I'm just talking about five to you know 10 year old, you know, lots of web apps that. Just don't support the modern standards and start to start to break in significant ways. That's where Internet Explorer is still such a big thing. But Edge has got some clever stuff in it that says latest Chromium, latest web standards, really fast browser. So all your you know new web apps take advantage of that speed. You know JavaScript processes a whole lot quicker, and will kick into some legacy IE you know launched in a VM inside. Um, edge that will so still, still going to cater for that. Yeah, it? so, yeah. It's, it's mm. so really smart. Um, the controversy is how much of the internet now you know Chromium is the is is the de facto standard. It's it's um, one of those things. It comes with massive upsides as well as some downsides. And, yeah. and certainly, if we lose Firefox and Opera, 
in these latest sort of funding cuts and problems uh really it will only be chromium that's it full stop uh, yeah and, and and that just becomes a whole thing you know like they own the standards they all define standards they'll take things in the direction they want to go rather than it being a you know four or five kind of a body and agree in a direction for the for the good of everybody and i'm not saying they won't i mean Chromium no because they've been they've great. had pre you know they've yeah they've had a history of good stuff but equally we are getting more and more negative stories coming out around uh, how these things operate and who knows maybe the pressures you know they that if you think that ultimately google is trying to break into china and all those issues that it's facing there and the criticism from its own employees that you know they're they're bending standards to to do that who knows what they'll do on the the website of things and then everyone's going to have that um foisted upon them because it's part of that that kind of underlying technology a real a real positive from microsoft round edge i i really think of you know bold, real bold decision you know yeah. to move to chromium and it supports all the plugins as well so, so it's a huge library of plugins definitely can... a new microsoft decision rather than old microsoft decision absolutely uh, and another, you know, forward-thinking decision they've they've gone to go carbon negative, uh, with the intention that they want to remove enough carbon from the atmosphere, as if the company, well, that the company will have admitted since 1975. So they're not just going for carbon neutral, which is what a lot of companies are sort of pledging, um, uh, but they're trying to actually remove their impact on the environment, and and they they suggest that that's actually the only really the only way forward here um because by only being neutral we certainly don't solve any of the damage that we've already caused and also we're just slowing the growth of um carbon um pollution rather than actually reversing it which is what what we need to happen i mean it's a a huge commitment um and and i think i I don't think we should underestimate that there'll be other companies that are probably you know small companies that are doing you know, great things around, you know, the green technologies and making carbon pledges. But for a company of Microsoft size to make this commitment... Um, within 10 years as well. They're saying going negative by 2030. Yep, within 10 years. And as you said right at the start, you know, from, from day one, so they've got tools in place that they're saying we can measure the impact of everything that we've released. And one of the interviews they did was really good. They talked about how with the Xbox, when they sell an Xbox, there's a, a model now predicting how much that will burn. And how they, how much they need to offset. It's yep. it's a huge huge commitment. It's definitely a forward forward thought, uh, you know. And they've come in for sort of some congratulatory comment by commentators, but equally, other commentators say, but their AI is currently helping massive oil firms dig new oil wells and and search out new gas uh, foundations, you know, stuff like that. So, but at the same time, at the same time, it's like that you can argue that another company would have done it if it wasn't them. Yeah. But they are doing at least doing the offsetting piece as well, mm-hmm. is, is what I would say. You're always going to have a, you know, the, here's all these evil things. You know, so there's yeah. an Xbox that's going to be burning so much energy, and look at all these I, servers burning energy. And, and, and I, list, that... I listened to I listened to something on the radio the other day which said there was a massive. Uh, I say ma- I, I don't know the actual size of them. I can't list the figures, but the difference between HD content and 4K content from carbon terms is ginormous. Because of the extra processing bandwidth, data, power, and the fact that you normally run them on bigger TVs that are running for obviously the bigger TVs running 4K resolution, so the extra power you need to do to do that, and it's something you don't even think about. But the move from HD to 4K is a big environmental <laughs> uh, factor. 
And, and the other thing, and it sounds trivial, but in voice assistants. So when you use a voice assistant to even just ask, you know, what the time is, instead of just looking at your watch, you know, that's, you know... It, All the data cycle, the servers, the systems... Sparked, sparked that, yeah. up, sent it off, analysed it, sent the reply, spoke the reply... Yeah. And it, and it's just all the amount of compute for a lot a lot a lot of it is fairly trivial, you know, nice to have add-ons. Yeah. Um it's a big impact. Sony is not gonna have a big impact at E three this year because it ain't there. Um it's gonna skip it again basically, and it said it's gonna do lots of local consumer events across the world instead. Um but you know, as people point out, even Nintendo, which hasn't really had a, a proper official booth, has still done an announcement and it still had uh, somewhere where people can play their games or the latest offerings. But yeah, Sony have made the decision they're not going to do that even in a year where they're bringing out the PlayStation 5. So where, where, do, you, where do you sit on that? Um, I, I think it's predictable. The, 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 you know, Sony pulled last year, um, didn't, didn't cost them anything at all. Nintendo went with these Nintendo Directs and getting a lot of press throughout the year, you know, and, and lots of kind of, it's like they're talking to the they're talking to people rather than talking to a show, you know, and, I, and it's, I know E3 was a consumer show, but it almost felt more like an industry type show as well. Um, and I think it, it probably, Sony will go and do their own thing. There, there's there's rumour is that February they're going to do some sort of, you know, that'll be the big launch of PS5. You know, and, and we'll see more. It wouldn't surprise me if they did their own big show, whether it's before or after E3, getting ready for, you know, a kind of quarter four sale of, of PS5. It leaves the door open for Microsoft to say, well, we'll, we'll dominate E3. Um, but I don't think they dominate. It, it used to be in the past. You go back four or five years, there was always a, you know, Sony did, you know, or Microsoft had done your keynote and, and you know, they launched Xbox One. And and I still remember the Sony folk afterwards going, we couldn't believe the gift we were given. You know, mm. we were going to be basically better and cheaper. And they were focusing on this this really mixed message around, we want to be your, what is it, whole media hub? Yes, whole media hub, yeah. And, and they were sitting there going, we just want games. We are here yeah. for games and it's a game show. It was, it was, it was like... You know, some of the and, articles I read, it was like high five each other after that. Saying, arguably, yeah. Microsoft have never recovered back from that one it's, press conference where yep. where they just haven't had the list of games because because the you know the feet footfall went to Sony and so did the the first party games. We you know the original Xbox 360, uh, we had plenty of first party going to Xbox first. It was part of the deal, you know, and and it was seen. You know, everyone released on Xbox, and then some of the games went to playstation as well uh, and it's uh, i don't do you think sony can rest on those laurels this time around though um, um no i don't think so i don't think anybody can they make microsoft to me they've turned the ship there's um the, the one x it's more powerful it sorted a lot of the issues with the one but they think, still haven't got the games so i think game pass is, is a has been a, a real big coup for them and just how they've you know obviously they're throwing cash at it um, but I think also the amount of first party, you know, I think back to last year's E3 and the year before. But how many of those games have we seen? But it takes two to three to four years to develop a game. So buying a studio yeah. is a future bet. It's not a bet for sure. next year. So, But so, none. But every, pretty much everything they showed last year, we're still kind of waiting on. The, the exciting stuff we're still waiting for. And we've just had things like Cyberpunk, which are big releases. I know I'm, it's not, you know, I, it's, it's not coming out till September now. I, I guess I've, I'm just not surprised at that. I just, I just mm. think that, 
you know, the biggest surprise for me would be if they showed and then said Halo Infinite's next year, you'd be like, well, you've really screwed Pooch now. Mm. Um, they, I think that's probably why a lot of people left Infinite, knowing that it's not going to be the game they want it to be. Yeah. You know? So, so, so I, I, I still think, still think they've made some really smart plays. As I said, Game Pass is an absolute, you know, home run. Um, I think that will guarantee lots of people upgrading. Um, I think there'll be a number of games coming out that that will that we'll see that that and and I think Microsoft are also playing this bit of it's not just in the new console. So they've said no new console exclusives are going to play on any, but it'll be there'll be differentiators between. They, they, I think they said for the first two years it's not going to be exclusives, and yeah. and, and interestingly that that's been played in the press as a, a negative, as you know, not really a positive, as it's saying you know people aren't going to be making use of all this extra processing power and stuff because they've still got to cater for the old I, stuff. I, I think that tells me they've went for high power, high price, and they know they're not going to sell, you know, hundreds of millions. They're not. It's not going to be a Switch. Yep. No. Um, it's probably going to do better than Stadia, though, or Stadia, um, which oh, <laughs> they're having to you? bundle... <laughs> so harsh. <laughs> they're having to bundle with uh, BT. So we had stories over <laughs> Christmas about how the numbers of Stadia has gone has dropped off a cliff, really. Um, you know, even for, it started off on a low number, but actually the number of people playing, say, Destiny, which is the one game that everyone would play from there, is 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 down into the thousands when you'd expect it to be in the you know millions. Anyway, they are now bundling, or they've done an agreement with BT in the UK to bundle free Stadia premium accounts with with broadband services. So I'm sure that's going to bump the numbers, but I don't think it's going to, you know, I, I don't see the service disappearing. But what I do see is it um, becoming more of an irrelevance and a, and a you know, until they come up with a, a subscription which gives you access to a whole ton of games. Um, without having to pay for them each individually i think that's that's where we're sat it's off to a bad start and it's not been good and and it's hard i think it's hard for some of us to recover so they've said 120 mm. games this year including 10 exclusives now that's a big jump because at the moment there's well a handful 20 games maybe yeah and and what makes me nervous is a bit like game pass in some ways you know so there will be big games on it but some of the some of them are quite like you know, they're like 360 games that are now available. Yeah, you've got another three 360 games. I'm not going to play them. Um, no. And and the exclusives, if you're not careful, are they going to be like Apple Arcade type exclusives? So you're like, you know, great for mobile, but you've sold this as a console, and it's and 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 my mates and you know you and me are all playing on Xboxes and PS4s, about to move to Xbox. You know, what was it? Xbox One X One X Series, whatever it's called, and PS5. <laughs> Um, but but we're about to move to big new hardware that's going to really sell, and it's and it's not delivering. No, and 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 so bumping up the numbers is important because it does gives like games more of a kind of environment to live in. But equally, even if you get all the hardware bundled in and a premium subscription bundled in, the you you still if effectively you want to buy if you want to have anything outside of the. The kind of add-ons, the, the, which are, there's about four games I think you can download now, uh, maybe a few more um, for free if you've got the premium subscription. Until that body of games is big, it's not going to. You're still not going to sell that many things because most people who have got broadband have probably got a console in the house. You know, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. I I I, I, I just have a fear. There's, there's a whiff of failure about the whole thing. Um, you know, even the. They had great press and it was it was lots of buzz, 
and then like a week two weeks before it was coming out it was like by the way all the things we said were coming a lot of that's next year and so, and equally they've even you know they're still not there now kind of thing yeah. the things that they talked about uh, and, and all the controversy around le- releasing codes and when they did that and the kind of flows that they had there and it just uh, it, yeah. it, it, it felt I, I don't know. It felt like for for the fact that they had a couple of old console hands, you know, at the tail of the ship, it felt like a real drop ball, you know, mm. for a launch. Yeah, um, little little bit of honesty was needed there about how they were going to plan everything and sort it, everything. Even if they'd if they'd said, you know, back, you know, when did you pre-order? It was like April, May last year, kind of mm. thing. You know, so it's like six months before it came out. Even if they came out and said, "Here's what the service is going to offer," however, it's going to take us eighteen months to get there. Day one, you're going to have this. By, you know, month three, we'll be doing this. By month six, we'll be doing this. And there's a risk that maybe people have went, oh, I'm not buying it. But I think that would have been a more honest way of doing it rather than saying, look at what's coming. And then a week before it comes saying, by the way, you ain't getting any of that right now. Mm. That, that, yeah. felt, that felt really, you know, a, a real poor experience. And that's, that's coming from, we covered it here, you've got it. You've given mm. me one of the buddy codes. I played it my Mac, and I was I still still a great experience. Technologically to... marvel, but yeah, yeah just to... I didn't, didn't install a game. I was playing Destiny within thirty seconds. Yeah, and you you know that there's there's technology there which actually it makes viable you know proper dumb terminals again that you know we've never really realized and all those kind of things. Having processing in the cloud is if you could do a game and get that delivered to a computer satisfactorily and without lag. You can have remote compute, you know, as a a complete viable option. So you know, com- whole companies don't have to have and continue to upgrade desktop machines all around there. The and, thing and, that you can and, do it. And there's certain apps that work really well. Like that's a whole servers, you know, bandwagon at the moment. That it's yeah. like I I can just switch on compute when I want. I don't need to go and go through all that capex nonsense and spend a million quid. I can go and spend, you know, renting it, turn it on when I need it, turn it off. Yeah, and when you're not doing it, someone else could be using it and, yeah. you know, so it's all more efficient, yeah. Stamps, who knew <laughs> in a technological podcast? <laughs> so so I'll, I'll hold my hands up that, see, when I was a kid, there's a whole load of us were stamp collectors and we had loads of stamps and this tweaked my nostalgia. This was, um, this was um, so I've got, a, is it 12? Yeah, 12 stamps are coming out. Um, celebrating some of the classic British games, yeah. um, and 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 they're great, and 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 also the it's a guy called Sam Dyer, um, who who works at Bitmap Books, and if you don't not looked at Bitmap Books, I've got I think I've got four or five of the books now. They're just a great kind of like kind of like coffee desky type books where. Mm-hmm. The, the images and the, the way he selects his material is superb. You know, so he'll do a SNES or a Commodore 64 or an Amstrad or Spectrum or he'll pick on, you know, classic Japanese arcade games or here's the best art from arcades and does different books. Um, so he, he, alongside a few others, selected 12 games and some of them just don't are great. Um, so things like... But they're you know, all classics. So they, maybe they're not great, but they are all classics. Yeah, Lemmings, Wipeout, you know, Tomb Raider's I, in there. I, I sunk loads of time into Populous when it was... When it was new, it was huge. Yeah, you know, it was because because Bullfrog came up with Populous, and then was it Magic Carpet they followed up with, which was and it was a, which was a big thing because it was all about the you know we've done all these three D kind of worlds and you're on your Magic Carpet, but Populous was huge. I mean, that was all the pre precursors to all of the kind of um, Lionhead Studios work. That was um, that's yeah. I, I think it was was it him behind it? I can't. Remember. I think it might I mean, be sen- Sensible Soccer. Sid, Sid behind it. 
Sensible soccer was, yeah. was huge. And even <laughs> things, was... so Dizzy, you know, was huge for Codemasters. Oh, Micro Machines. I used to love that game. Played hours into that. It's brilliant. It was, it was great. You know, Lemmings. Lemmings was... Oh, even you know my mum played that. She loved it. Yeah. And it spawned so many others. So, so yeah, great set of stamps. Um, they're out tomorrow. Or you today, go. if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, tomorrow. tomorrow. Or, or they were out yesterday, <laughs> yesterday. If, you're, if you're listening the day after. You could go on. It's going to be a... I could go on. Yeah, you could go on. I usually do. That is <laughs> the end of our podcast, Stamps. There we go. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you've got this far, that's awesome. Um, as ever, website is uh, digitaloutbox.com and it, email is info at digitaloutbox.com. Twitter is digitaloutbox. If you want to contact us at all, you are more than welcome to. Um, I, I'm on I'm, I'm on Twitter as Cheesy UK, but quite frankly, I, I can't even remember the last time I tweeted. So you could you could follow me if you like, but there's not much point. Where are you, Ian? You're a bit more communicative. I uh, uh, iandeck.com has all my linkages out. There you go. Boom. Social hub. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you again in either one or two weeks, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) I'll also point out that I think you need to go and get some food because you've just crashed, basically. I've crashed a little bit, haven't I? (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.